0: I wish I felt the same, Jason. <laughs> I mean, no, I do. Honestly, we uh, probably—I think it, we probably quite literally, Jason and I text each other probably every day. None of the texts make sense. They're childish. Uh, sometimes they're spiritual, but yeah, that friendships are so important, aren't they? It's fantastic to be here with you today. A little bit of something different. It's not a normal type of preach. What we're wanting to do is to use this Sunday to launch Alpha here in this church. And so whether you're watching online at home or whether you are in person in the building here, uh, we want to encourage you to begin if you're already a follower of Jesus, begin to think who you can invite onto probably what is the most effective tool for helping people to journey and think about faith across the globe. I think I think I'm, I'm probably quite right in saying that it is just one of those things that God has used across the nations, across the cultures, uh, and here in the UK. and so if you're already a follower of Jesus this would be a brilliant thing to invite your friends along to if you're watching today and you're new to faith or you're here in the building and you're new to faith or just thinking about faith then I want to encourage you too to come along to it in case I forget to say how in terms of the mechanics of that then if you go to the information point in the coffee area you'll be able to see an alpha area there where you can sign up so, now to help me explore our subject this morning, about midway through my talk, I'm going to invite onto the platform a lady by the name of Afwa who's going to come and share a little bit of her story uh, and about how, help, how for has helped her in her journey of faith. Okay, so that's where we're going. Okay, now I don't think I've used this story in this church before, but I'm not 100%. Sure, Most, when I write my talks, it, it, all my talks have stories that are unique to those. But just, I'm, I've, I've got a note of familiarity, but I'm going to use it anyway, because I love it. So, a quick quick survey here, quick survey here. And you can join in at home, it just means we can't see you, alright? So, who believes in flying cows, Some of you were expecting something a bit more deep and theological, weren't you? That will come potentially, okay? But who believes in flying cows? If you believe in flying cows, raise your hand. There's a lot of cynics in this room. If you don't believe in flying cows, raise your hands. Okay? And as per usual with my surveys, if you're not sure whether you believe in flying cows, raise your hands, okay? And if, quite frankly, you're not bothered about believing <laughs> in flight, raise your hands. The apathy is palpable in this place. Here, I mean, I'm here, I've sacrificed, and you're not bothered this early in my talk. I mean, where do I go now? <laughs> Well, I go on to talk about flying cows, that's where I go, where else would she go? Well, you see, I didn't believe in flying cows at one point. And I read this story, it said a fisherman on the Aral Sea was enjoying the calm weather and the warm sun when his peace was disturbed by a flying cow. Out of the blue, a Frisian cow landed on his boat, destroying it and almost drowning him. Of course, no one believed him, and his adventure was thought to just be a practical joke. The insurance company, I mean, you can understand, the insurance company refused to pay him for his boat. It's understandable, isn't it? In fact, not only that, but they suggested he told the tallest of tales, and all the community began to gossip about this. That is until the US Air Force admitted that a cow in one of their huge transport planes had gone mad and had been jettisoned over the Aral Sea. Imagine the joy on his face when they found that out. Sometimes... I have discovered you have to believe the unbelievable, however unbelievable it may seem. Sometimes you have to believe the unbelievable, however unbelievable it may seem. I agree with you that sometimes some of the stuff that Christianity talks about seems a bit unbelievable. I get that. I get that. And it will do. If you take out of the picture God, of course it's unbelievable. But if you bring into the picture God, it all of a sudden becomes believable. But I understand that for people maybe who don't have a faith in God, and that might be you in the room today or watching online, if you don't have a faith in God, maybe you're watching this morning because you might have some kind of faith in God. But if it's not an active faith in God, I totally get how it can all seem a bit unbelievable. And I would suggest, actually, you're not on your own. In fact, there were people in the Bible who found it completely unbelievable. Let me prove that to you. If you're familiar with the Bible, then you'll understand what I mean if I say turn to John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31. If you're not familiar with the Bible or haven't got a Bible with you, let me read those sentences to you. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus. I mean, let's do a little survey here. If you were known as Didymus or Thomas, which name would you go by? It's got to be Thomas, hasn't it? Unless you're a bit weird, but anyway. Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I, and I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were. I mean, I think that's a bit freaky personally. That's my addition. That's not in the Bible. And put my hand into his side. I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you've believed. However blessed are those who have seen me, who have not seen me, forgive me, and yet have Believed. And by the way, whenever the Bible uses the word blessed, it, it, does, it, means, it means sort of happy, happy. It means more than just sort of, you know, reasonably happy. It means that there's a, there's a deeper happiness. Whenever the Bible uses that phrase, particularly in the New Testament. So Jesus is saying actually the happy, happy people, the happy, happy, happiest people, are those who have chosen to believe without actually seeing. But Thomas struggled. It just, how can I believe if I can't see? So you're in good company if you struggle to believe and find it all a little bit unbelievable. You're in good company because some of the followers of Jesus found that to be exactly the case. But I want to ask a question this morning. When it comes to Christianity, is it possible and is it reasonable? Okay, let's journey with that for a little bit. Um, Part of what I do, uh, for those of you who don't know me too well, is um, I try to get people to think a little bit about why they don't believe, as well as trying to get people to think a little bit about why they do believe. So I've spent quite a bit of time in conversation, Uh, sometimes one-on-one, sometimes in universities, sometimes in colleges, sometimes in businesses, in all kinds of contexts, having conversations with people as to why they don't believe. And one particular time, I was in a place called Malvern. Uh, Now, Malvern, at the time, Uh, The the, the secondary school in Malvern was a very... There's two, but one of the the secondary schools, the Chase, was quite a highly achieving academic school. Uh, Many of the young people that went to school there were the sons and daughters of people that worked in Kinetic, which was one of the key government research bodies, so they was kind of like the sons and daughters of scientists and, and clever people. And I was asked to deliver in, RE, in an RE lesson for the second year of sixth form, I was asked to deliver a talk on why I believe in God. The talk was to last 20 minutes, and then I would field some questions and some answers at the end of it for about 30 to 40 minutes. So I'm delivering my talk. It came as no surprise that when I got to the end of my talk and said does anybody have any questions that a young fella on the front row was the first to put his hand up, that came as no surprise because all the way through my talk he touched it he shook his head he he, I mean like he had steam coming out of his ears, his veins in his neck were pulsating like that I'm thinking because I'm a bit of a good judge of character I thought he don't like what I'm talking about Most people would have missed it, but me being uber-perceptive, I've picked this vibe up, you know. So he puts his hand up, so I looked at him, I said, yes sir, question from you. He said, the problem with you Christians, I thought, oh, brace yourself Greenwood, brace yourself. Brace yourself, the problem with you Christians. You get in a sense he's a bit angry. I thought, oh, the problem, there's only one. This will be refreshing. I thought there were a lot more. But anyway, the problem with you Christians is you only believe what people tell you and what you read in a book. And I looked at him and I said, fair point. He went, is it? I went, well, you said it, not me. He said, yeah, I know, but I didn't expect you to agree with me. I said, I know you didn't expect me to agree with you and so that's why I'm agreeing with you. He said, well, do you agree with me? I said, I do agree with you. He said, oh, okay. He said, well, that's thrown things, hasn't it? I said, well, not from my perspective. I'm perfectly happy. But it might have thrown you somewhat. So I said to him, just just tell me what you believe. And um, I'd just been really fascinated. So he told me what he believed. And I looked at him. It was a... Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not fully... Um, Commensurate with, with the thing that he talked about. I just know it was a something, something, something-ist. <laughs> it had ist on the end. And anything with that on the end is just clever, isn't it? So anyway, so I said, oh, tell me a little bit about it. So he told me a little bit about it. And I said, mate, that's amazing. I said, wow. And it was amazing, to be honest with you. And I just said to him, where'd you get that from? He said, well, it's true, isn't it? I said, well, it's not what I asked, though, is it? I said, where do you get that from? He said, well, it's true, isn't it? I said, but it's not what I asked, is it? I said, I'm going to put it to you one more time. I felt like I was in a legal situation now. I said, I'm going to put it to you one more time. where do you get that from? Ladies and gentlemen, he didn't have time to inhale, let alone exhale before a young lass in the back corner of the classroom who was clearly an evangelical Christian. She shouted out, he got it from a book! <laughs> I looked at him, of course I knew he'd got it from a book. I looked at him, I said, you didn't. He went, I did, I did. So I said, how come it's okay for you to believe what you believe because you got it from a book? And heard it from a person. But it's not okay for me as a Christian to believe what I believe because I got it from a book. And because I heard it from another person. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, most of us on planet Earth get what we believe because we read it in a book and hear it from a person. Now I know Christianity is a little bit more about the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. I just didn't think you'd understand that. So I decided just to go with the more simple approach of reading a book hear it from a person it's the truth most people on planet earth get what they believe okay let's throw into the mixture now TikTok, youtube and other associated media but you get the general point behind what i'm saying most of us arrive at what we believe in because we have information from us some of us don't but some of us do so i want to say to you that just because christianity he's read about in a book, and we've got it from people, doesn't make it any less reasonable. It, honestly, because what you, his problem was, as we chatted a little bit more, he said, well, the Bible's a load of rubbish, isn't it? I said, it's not, and we'll have that discussion a bit later on. But you, would you, for this moment in time, concede that actually most of us get our information in the same way? We did go on to discuss about the Bible. His problem was he felt that the Bible was unscientific, that you had like the Bible over here and science over here and never the twain shall meet. Folks, I want to tell you, the Bible isn't a scientific textbook. It really, really isn't. I mean, if you want science stuff, don't go to the Bible. I mean, if I had time this morning, I'd show you where the Bible talked about numerous of scientific discoveries that science made hundreds and thousands of years later, I don't have the time for that this morning. But the Bible is a pretty incredible book, and just because it contains stuff that's unbelievable, sometimes you have to believe the unbelievable, however unbel- unbelievable it may seem. Another objection I often get is: um, well, let, let me let me pitch it in. We've got Linda and Alicia here on the front row. Okay, I want you to imagine that they're uh, they're students in a classroom, okay? I want you to imagine that. After your story, we can believe that now, okay? And uh, I want you to imagine that I'm the teacher. That might become a little bit more difficult, but let's roll with it for now. I'm the teacher. You're two students. You're all students, but you're good students. You don't misbehave. Can you believe that this morning, you're, yeah, they're really naughty students. Can you believe that this morning? Somebody's defending you. That's very good. Fair. one person, and it was a bit half-hearted, if I'm honest, but So I want you to imagine that I'm writing something on, um, on the board here and uh, I turn around you've all got your head down working and I notice under the table that Alicia and Linda are kicking each other, missing a bow under the table and kicking each other like that and I look at them and say, Alicia Linda, stop that and they say, we're not doing anything so I said, yes you are, you're kicking each other under the table stop it now and they say, we're not doing everything so You have just seen you, I saw you with my own eyes and what do they say you can't prove it absolutely true I can't prove it but just because I can't prove it it doesn't mean it didn't happen are you with me just because I can't prove something doesn't affect the reality of it absence of evidence is not evidence of absence Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Listen, even if Christianity or God or Jesus, the whole thing can't be proved, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not real. But then people say to me, not only can it not be proved, they then go on to say that science has disproved it. I have a problem with that. Because the minute you say science has disproved it, you're lumping the whole of science into one unified, agreeable, space and actually you're ignorant of what science is about because the whole thing about science is you can take a particular subject for example universes or multiverses has made a resurgence you may be aware of that (laughs) you may not and all the science some scientists suggest say all the science proves that we live in a universe And then other areas of science say all the science proves that we live in a multiverse. Now, my brain won't go beyond much of that, but what I do want to draw out of that is that one area of science says all the science suggests this, and another area of science says all the science suggests that, and they're in conflict, so we don't have the luxury of saying science is disproved. It may well be true that some part of science has claimed it's disproved or proved. That I'll go with, but conclusively, you cannot say that. I was chatting to a professor friend of mine many, many years ago. And I said, to help, help me, professor. Um, help me to get my head around something. I said, this, this is, this is, I want to just share this as a, as a simple thing without getting too much down an intellectual corridor this morning. So I threw this past him. I said, look, this is my understanding of science. Taking chemistry, he was a professor of chemistry um, at Loughborough University, actually. I said, if you take chemical A, and mix it with chemical B, and you get a reaction that, for the sake of this morning, we call C, then you cannot, you cannot say scientifically, we have proved that when you mix chemical A with chemical B, we get a reaction called C, unless you do that a second time. Unless you do it a second time, and make sure it's in exactly the same environment. So it's not chemical A plus one, with chemical B, it has to be chemical A, with nothing added, exactly the same, mixed with exactly the same chemical B, in exactly the same environment, and if you get exactly the same reaction, i.e. C, then you can scientifically say that when you mix chemical A with chemical B, you always get a reaction called C. That's how science works. It's a principle that's called repeatable and observable. So you repeat the thing, observe what happens, and then you can conclude. Herein lies the problem. You cannot stick God in a test tube. You can't stick him over a Bunsen burner. You can't put a bit of litmus paper in. Here endeth my rather sketchy knowledge of science. But you can't repeat it. You can't get it to happen again. So you can't use a scientific process to prove or disprove God. You can use scientific processes to disprove or try to prove other things, but then you layer on top of what they prove your own subjective interpretation. You see, evidence is the subjective, inter- proof rather, is the subjective interpretation of evidence. Uh, I don't want to get into a debate with Dawkins this morning. Mainly, he's not here, so that would make it tricky. Um, But one of the things I get really annoyed with is when people like Dawkins say, we've we've proved evolution and therefore we've disproved God. I get really annoyed with that. Now, I'm not here to debate evolution versus creation this morning. That's not the purpose even of that statement. What I'm saying is, if you prove evolution, you prove evolution. You don't disprove God. Do you? It's crazy. It's just that we're subjectively putting our interpretation of this evidence to prove this point coming from our own bias. Science can only disprove or prove certain things. And what we then interpret that to mean can also be rather subjective, if I'm honest. He said, apart from anything, science can tell us how we got here, but it can't tell us what we do now. We are here. I mean, I'm not bothered about how we got here. I've got all on working out what I do now. I am here, haven't you? And I believe that only in Christianity, only in God and in relationship do with Jesus, do we actually find out why we are here. So the truth is... He got all this stuff going on out there. But most of us arrive at our own conclusions. Uh, um, but we're remote from, from first-hand seeing things. I, uh, I used to have a, a cat called Blackie. And we loved Blackie. He was a brilliant cat. Such a character. And um, one particular morning, I woke up. And uh, he'd, he'd got a wound across his eye here. And he would got a wound on his on his Bottom. And we took him to the vets, and the vet said, Oh, this is very simple to see what's happened here. So I thought this would be interesting. So he says, Blackie's clearly been walking down the cul-de-sac where you live, and I thought, wow, she knows I live in a cul-de-sac. Just from looking at his eye and his bum. <laughs> thought that's impressive. What was more freaky? It's actually true. I did live in a cul-de-sac. So that freaked me out a little bit, if I'm honest. And he's come down and uh, he's, he's walked past a particular hedge and a, a, a cat's jumped out, um, scratched him on the eye and Blackie's turned to run away and a cat scratched him on the bum. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me stop you there. Blackie's from Bradford. <laughs> we run from nothing. No, we don't run from anything. Let me... Tell you, looking at the evidence, what I think happened. Okay, same evidence, different interpretation. Blackie has indeed walked down the cul-de-sac. I know that because we have a cul-de-sac. I live in it. That bit I know. You conjectured. He's walked down past this hedge. He's as he's walked down past this hedge, a, 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 a cat has scratched him, granted, on the bottom, but he hasn't run away. He's turned round to face up to the other 35 cats. In doing so, he sustained a minor injury above his eye. But you should see the state of the other 39 cats. Okay, that's what I think happened. Who likes the vet's interpretation? Who likes my interpretation? Yes! Thank you! It means nothing but thank you, no. Do you see what I'm saying? We, we, we can easily look at things, and actually, in one sense, uh, what the vet was saying and what I was saying was supported by the evidence. But both of us, let's face it, are layering on top of it what we think happened, because we're coming from a particular bias, a particular bias, rather. None of us actually know, because we weren't. There. <laughs> and the truth is, most of us as human beings, we come to our conclusions about what we believe, but we weren't there when any of it happened. And so we either listen on YouTube or TikTok or read books or listen to other people. And so often we believe what we believe because it suits us rather than it's what we generally believe. And so often we come to what we believe through no real process. My daughter's studying maths, she's quite clever. And so I ran this out, Pastor, when I was at school, they said to me, when you do your sums, okay, show me you're working out. Because even if you get your sums wrong because you've got the mathematics wrong, if I can see you understand it, then I'll give you some points. In other words, I might disagree with your answer, but I can see you've thought about it. And I don't mind people disagreeing with my answer, but let's think about it. And I think Alpha provides a brilliant environment to process and to think about things. I want you to imagine I put a massive circle on that screen and gave you a Sharpie pen, because why ever would I give you anything other than a Sharpie pen? And I said, in that circle is contained the knowledge of the entire world. I want you to take this Sharpie pen and put a dot in that circle that somehow represents your knowledge. If you're anything like me, you realise you don't know a lot, so put, you put the tiniest of dots in there. That probably, st- really, is still too big, but it's all, we've got to get it in there, we've got to show something. So, in other words, the circle contains the knowledge of the entire world. The dot contains what you know as a percentage of the knowledge of the entire world. So in other words, there's a little bit that you know, but there's a lot that you don't know. There's a little bit that you know to be true and real, but there's a whole heap of stuff that you don't know whether it's true or whether it's real. Is it possible that God exists wants a relationship and a friendship with you? Is it possible that Jesus did die on the cross so you could be forgiven for the wrong in your life? Is it possible that it is all true? It's just outside of your knowledge. And so going on a journey of discovery, because if there's any sniff of a possibility that this Christianity is true, man, it's got to be worth looking into it. It's got to be worth investing. It's got to be worth putting to one side your own answers, your own processes, and to go on a journey with other people to discover whether it's true. Is it possible that God does exist? A friend of mine said to me, Mark, I can't believe in God. I said, why is that? He said, because I can't see him. And I can only believe in things that I see. So I said, okay, would you mind me asking you a question? He said, yeah, what's that? I said, how do you think we got here? And again, I wasn't, I wanted to debate anything particular. I just wanted to know how he thought we got here. He said, big bang. I went, okay. I said, was it hot? <laughs> he said, what do you mean? Loud, was it loud? He said, what do you mean, was it loud? He said, was it bright? Like did it freak you out? Like did you have a cup of tea and when you when you had this big bang, it's like you could uh, like tea all over you. I said, What? He said, Well, why are you asking me that? I said, Well, cause you were there. <laughs> he said, What do you mean I was there, you idiot? I said, Well, you were there. Yeah, sorry, I'm picking up that you were there. So why why would you think that I was there? Because you just told me that you only believe in things that you can see. And therefore you can't believe in God because you can't see him. But then you believe in the Big Bang. So I just assumed from the logic of what you've just said to me that you were there. And he looked at me and went, oh. (laughs) The truth is we all believe in things we, we don't see. The truth is we all believe in things. We take a little bit of faith, not quite fully knowing, and we place it in something. We might not be aware that we, we are literally doing that and thinking that through, but that's actually what we do because none of us have seen it all. So I want to present to you for you to take that same um, element of faith and say, is it possible that God does exist? Many people say they're open-minded but if you're open-minded, you shouldn't just, you should not, not say that God doesn't exist. You shouldn't even just say it's possible that God does exist. You should say it's possible that God does exist and then go on a bit of a journey to find out. One of the greatest scientific minds of all time, scientist Isaac Newton, said, in the absence of any other proof, the thumb alone would convince me of God's existence. George Lucas of Star Wars fame said this, not having the time to ask if there's a God or not, for me is the worst. So I want to encourage you to become open-minded. People often accuse Christians of being narrow-minded. Listen to this. This is the latest verified stat, and it's from the Centre for Study of Global Christianity at Gordon Connell Theological Seminary seminary there are 7.8 billion people in the world this is at the end of 2019 there are 7.8 billion people in the world and as of the end of 2019 just over 2.5 billion of those say they are christians and christianity is rising faster than ever before don't use the snapshot of the uk as to what christianity is like globally it's kicking off across the globe You see, I would argue that Christianity is not about being narrow. It's about knowledge. It's about the fact that we've discovered something. We know something. Now, how we handle that is whether we can be accused of arrogance or not. But I want to invite you on a journey called Alpha to see whether you might begin to think maybe what these billions of people believe about Jesus dying on the cross and coming back alive and about the fact that it's changed their life, whether you might be prepared to go on a journey to find out whether it might be what you want. And for those of you who are already followers of Jesus, why don't you invite your world to go on a journey too, to discover whether it's what they want. I'm going to invite somebody up this morning who's just going to come and share a little bit of their story and then I've got one or two more things to say and then we're done and dusted and going home for an early bath. Here you are. Give Afwa a lovely round of applause. (laughs) Afwa. Come here, my lovely. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks for coming um, on here and just sharing a little bit about your faith story. We're going to chat a little bit about Alpha as well in amongst all of that um, because you've got quite real experience of Alpha, but just tell us a little bit about your sort of background, your life, Um, were you brought up in a Christian family or or anything like that, so just tell us a little bit about that, help us to understand.
1: Um, So I was brought up as a Catholic, Um, so I attended Catholic primary school and secondary school, Um, and then I moved to London um, and found a job there, so I got a job in London. And I met a Christian work colleague, yeah. so very new in my faith. And she sort of took me on board and mentored me. Um, and anyone knows me knows I ask a lot of questions. I'm very <laughs> inquisitive, always asking questions. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I would sort of text her in the middle of the night sometimes saying, oh, you know, why do I have to pray? Or what does Jesus look like? Yeah. Or why did he have to go to the cross? And why did it have to be so painful? Yeah. So I think she got so fed up of my questions that one day she just said to me, look, I'm taking you on this course (laughs) Um, and it was the Alpha course. Um, So I went along with her. It was at Holy Trinity Brompton in London. Which is
0: where Alpha's actually from originally, isn't it? Yes,
1: yes. It's where the course was pioneered. Um, And it was it was just fantastic. I just remember turning up there the first day and just being so surprised to see other people like me, because as a new Christian, I had really sort of strange thoughts about Christians and what they would be and I just didn't think they would would be like me. So turning up and just seeing so many different people of all ages, different races, all different faiths, Buddhists, Muslims, Atheists, new Christians, everybody.
0: I mean that's Uh, amazing. There's not many spaces in the world where you get all those people in a room together where you're all discussing Faith and God, and that that must have been quite a, a dynamic uh, kind of space to be in. Sounds yes. really really exciting. Yeah. Y- yourself, you're from a legal background. Is 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 that a little bit of why you had this questioning in mind? You think, or did you go into the legal world because you had a question in mind?
1: <laughs> I think. Uh, Yeah, I like to analyse things, I like to ask questions, as I said, so I think that's probably why I went into law and I'm a lawyer. Um, So Alpha was the perfect environment for me. No question was too silly, Um, I could ask away at anything and my friend would just sit there quietly listening while I asked away um, and found answers to my questions through the discussions, um, through the videos. It was just so engaging, so interactive. Yep. so
0: we've seen you on the, the video with your husband. You're leading the Alpha Course here at Northampton yes. together. Um, what would you say to people maybe here that are either in the room or online, they're watching, uh, they're new to the faith or they're thinking about faith. Would you recommend they come onto Alpha and why would you recommend that? Most definitely. I'm so passionate
1: about Alpha because it changed my life going on the Alpha course. Um, I don't think I would be where I am today if I hadn't gone on the Alpha course and explored and discovered my faith through the course. Mm. Um, Alpha is really for two types of people. It's for non-christians so people who have never been to church don't have a faith um, and then also for new christians like i was Mm. Um, but also i think there's a third category as well it's for people who um call themselves christians but perhaps you've drifted away and you're looking to return to your faith it's it's life-changing so i just can't advocate it enough you know psalm 34 says taste and see that the lord is good and i think alpha course is just one of the ways um that you can just really journey with your faith
0: that's brilliant. Sure. So if people want to sign up, they can go to the sign-up place. Yes, in so the I'll session. be at the
1: info point after Keep the service cool. so if you've got any questions. Um, there's also flyers. And what I really want to encourage people to do um, is just take a flyer. Yeah. Um, and invite people we all know non-christian and um, work colleagues family members friends who would really benefit from coming on the course i've had conversations with people recently and they've said oh you know what what are we going to get for christmas and things like that but as a church as christians the greatest gift that we can give yeah. to the people around us is the gift of knowing jesus yeah. and alpha is just one of the resources that we can use to invite people so let's be bold Please don't leave here without taking a leaflet. If we all come together, invite people, we'll see lives change with the power of Jesus Christ.
0: That's brilliant. Thanks for a round applause. Thank you so much. Uh, a, f- a few years ago, I was probably a little bit more excited than I should have been when I received through the post Well, it's called a summons, actually, but it's it's not to go to court. I know some of you were raising your eyes then. Okay, it's not to go to court. It's to be on jury service. And uh, I, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to train in that. Um, I wanted to. I, I set on becoming a judge because my brain was wired that way. I loved like ev- anything to do with evidence and proving how things have been, uh, been, been proven or showing how things have been proven, my brain it just gets a little bit really excited about those sorts of things. So I was a little bit giddy because I knew that I wasn't going to take that particular trajectory in life because by now I was already traveling around and preaching what you, and I knew that that was the sort of the journey for my life. But I say that because when I went on jury service, it was really, really fascinating it was then that I realized just how critical in the British justice system is the testimony of a witness. We, for those of you who are familiar with church, you'll, you'll be familiar with those two words. But they're actually legal words. You go in and somebody gives a testimony and they're called as a witness. So they're legal phrases. And you know what? It's really interesting. The judge said at one point, you, can only, I, you have to make a decision based on the evidence that you have. Don't worry about the evidence that you don't have. Look at the evidence that you have, and you have to to make a decision. And we were expected in one or two of the cases to return a a total verdict, not just a majority. We all had to be um, in agreement that this person was guilty or not guilty. And on one of those cases, we didn't have any scientific evidence. We just had to listen to the witness telling the facts of what they see. And in one of those, in in the the one particular case, the only witnesses were the person that smacked and the person that was the smacky. Those are not legal phrases, by the way. We didn't have any CCTV footage. We didn't have any other witnesses to come in. We just had to listen to the person who received the blow and the person that gave it. She was saying, I didn't do it because of this. She was saying she did do it because of this. And we had to like watch it. And at the end of that, we had to return a verdict of guilty or not guilty just based on the word of two people being witnesses giving their testimony. And yet... I find it really interesting that for lots of people they would rule out the witness of a Christian telling their story. And yet in a court of law, it would be admissible as evidence. Is it possible that what Christians talk about, about Jesus dying, is it possible that it's true? So you've got the word of of the witnesses, those who are saying, this is the difference it's made in my life. But then you go back, because what we do have in the church is the testimony of people that were there when things happened. We have first-hand eyewitness accounts. The Roman historian Tacitus wrote in about AD 115 concerning the great fire of Rome and how the Emperor Nero attempted to fasten the blame on Christians. He wrote Christus, Christ, from whom they take their name, had been executed by sentence of the procurator Pontius Pilate when Tiberius was governor. Josephus, the great Jewish historian who wrote about the history of the Jewish nation in AD 90, tells us that at this time there was a wise man who was called Jesus. His conduct was good and he was known to be virtuous and many people from among the Jews and from other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die and those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them and that three days after his crucifixion he was alive. These are first-hand accounts of people outside of the Bible. So there's actually a lot of evidence and Alpha will present to you even more. We have nine documents from which we build up a picture of the life of Julius Caesar that we believe firsthand. We have a phenomenal amount of hundreds and hundreds more. There are more documents that tell us about the life of Jesus and support the Bible than any other historical documents. If you take the Bible and the person of Jesus, by far and away, the proximity of the writings, in other words, the integrity of the writings, outstrips, we are told, by secular sources, outstrips any other historical event, and yet we're happy to believe all those things. Let's be fair, let's be fair, let's be fair to Christianity, let's be fair and say, wow, that is quite overwhelming evidence. To the point where Sir Lionel Look Who, 1914 to 1997, is considered one of the greatest lawyers in British history He's recorded in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's most successful successful advocate with 245 consecutive murder acquittals. He was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II twice. He declared, I humbly add, I have spent more than 42 years as a defence trial lawyer appearing in many parts of the world and I'm still in active practice I have been fortunate to secure a number of successes in jury trials and I say unequivocally the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. Is it possible? Is it reasonable? Yes to both. In fact, the Bible says if Christ isn't risen from the dead, your faith is in vain. Using the logical process of Luku, who says that Jesus did rise again from the dead, having looked at all the evidence as a highly trained person in that field, he says undeniably it, 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 it can't be disregarded. And this. These are many top lawyers that are concluding the same thing, that have written books and had films about it saying exactly the same thing. You see, if Jesus rose from the dead, which I believe he did, along with Luku, then it changes everything. It changes everything. Is it possible that all of what Christianity claims is true? It's possible and it's reasonable. Can I invite you to come on a journey with Northampton Elim Church and Afwa and her husband? Can I invite you to come on a journey to explore? And for those of you who are already believers, can I invite you to invite your friends to come on a journey to explore? Why not leave today? Go to the uh, info point in the coffee lounge, and sign up. Take those flyers. Invite your world to come on a journey to explore the Christian faith. Because quite simply, it's phenomenal. God bless. Thank you.